Welcome to the Superfan Podcast. My name is Snail Nihotri. This is episode 52. Well, it's finally here. NHL playoffs. Of course, lots of excitement here at Edmonton. The Oilers finished the regular season with an impressive 50 wins, 109 points. That has them second in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference, only behind Vegas. So, um, of course, they finished the season off very strongly. They went something like 24-1 and in their last 25 games. So, about since around mid-February, they've been playing really good hockey. Um, and with all this team success and with McDavid and Settle in their primes and uh, the other offensive talent the others have, expectations, understandably, are, are much, much higher heading into the playoffs. So, I mean... Lots of reasons for optimism. You know, you got the best player in the world. You have actual depth scoring at even strength this season. You got a defense core that's been decent all year. Um, you got Matthias Ekholm at the deadline, which has been a really nice ad. Um, but you know how it is. It's the playoffs, right? We've seen lots of high-end teams uh, with expectations similar to what the Oilers have um, lose out in the first round. So it's never a guarantee. But I think that's what's going to make this such a fun, exciting postseason. And it starts up on Monday night against the LA Kings. Um, so now to talk about the Oilers season and you know how they might fare in the first round and the rest of the playoffs, I have joining me once again the one and only Mr. Dennis King. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Thank you, uh, Shanil. So this is uh, episode 52, and I guess I've been on 49 times. <laughs> you are you are a regular. You know how on Saturday Night Live they have like the five timers club. We're gonna get you a jacket or something. Oh, I nice. think the, Yeah, I think we're gonna do something like that yeah, for you. Now. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing about it is, well, I'm actually wearing a back coat right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. No, that's awesome, man. <laughs> it's like it's corner to 12 and there's some landmines. Yeah. Well, I can't help it, right? Like, I, I make a show and I do it with somebody else and they're like, okay, well, when's Dennis going to be a, a back on? So then I'm like, okay, got to go reach out to Dennis's agent again. Got to go through that whole rigorous process. But no, I'm glad to have you back. I know. Man. And he's, and he, and he's old school and, and, you know, that's, that's no problem. But it's hard to get good representation, but, you know, let's get to something that's new, and that's, uh, the Oilers are dominant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way they've been playing, I think, the last 25 games, like, they've been outstanding, right? And I've made the argument that they actually turned things around, not just at the All-Star break, not just at the Christmas break, but, excuse me, it was sometime in, I would say, like, mid to late November where they started you know, doing the 11-7 and 7 thing. They started getting some forwards back that were healthy. Um, so I would argue, I mean, they've been very good pretty much almost the whole season. I would say if you took out the first, like, 20 games or something like that. Um, but what's been your take on this season? I mean, I, I mean, there's lots of positives, you know, high offensive team. And I kept thinking, you know, where's who's going to screw this up for the Oilers, right? Is it going to be the goaltending? Is it going to be, you know, someone on defense? But um, what's been your take on, on the success they've had this year? Yeah, uh, going back to kind of when they kind of started to, uh, and I always look at five and five score adjustments, and uh, it basically happened after they lost on a Monday night journey, and then the next game, Sorokin had made 50 saves and his lost nothing, and then starting that game, I mean, it Control play, and then uh, there was that last night in the afternoon, and MSG when they trailed two nothing, and rolled back in the third period. And so yeah, I mean, so since uh, midweek, late in the twenties of November, I mean, they've just been absolutely fantastic in terms of controlling play. So, and this of course was 
even pre-Ecom, but once, I mean, I remember saying to one of my friends last year, you know, uh, hasn't it seemed that the others had finally turned the corner? And I said, you know, Woodcroft seems like the right guy mm-hmm. at the right time. And boy, I mean, Christ, Ecom now is, is the right guy at the right time. He's like, it's like a, a super clef bomb. Like yeah. He's not as he's not as smooth of a skater, but I mean the offensive instincts are perhaps even better. And the guy takes so few penalties for a fellow who's like an absolute fucking hard ass. Yeah, yeah. Like I just can't get enough watching him. I watch all these little things that he does well, and I kind of remember the '06 run, and afterwards saying to somebody, it was so refreshing because I kind of grown up on the McTavish Oilers and they were always young and once you had the addition of Pronger and Pekka and also Rolison and Ned, I felt like I finally got to watch a team with like veteran poise who like, you had to beat and, and they wouldn't beat themselves. Mm-hmm. And so in the last 20 once uh, Drysdale committed finally to playing a two-way game because people say that about McDavid but that's like really ignorant people who don't watch the games or don't even know what stats to look at because I mean you know you're kind of in it's probably the second year now where he actually does back check he's probably better this year but it's been a while since he just kind of like didn't give a fuck and and burned the boats for offense he hasn't done that in in seasons now but kind of the key for me there was like two keys there was Ekholm showing up and allowing now uh, Woodcroft to play a top four as opposed to a top two because last year it was just Nurse and Cece right. with all the hard right. minutes. And then the other two pairs split the rest. And now this year we've gone to uh, more of an egalitarian uh, look because you have the top four and two pairs that share a lot of the load. So Ekholm allowed that to happen. And uh, Drossetl uh, adopted a defensive conscience yeah. to the point yeah. where now, like, who do you pick on? Right. You're not going to outscore McDavid and Harmon and Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Drossetl cares enough you can't outscore the second line. And basically, that leads to, uh, that sounds like a team that's awfully hard to beat. And, yeah, guess what? Like, they are. So, uh, there's still that part of me that were I outside of the fan base and I looked at this team from afar, I would say best player in the world plus a top five uh, offensive player, uh, a uh, a good enough defense with a young blossoming puck mover who kind of facilitates offense off the rush and uh, in the transition game. Uh, a third line that's probably good enough and as optimistic as I am about them there's still a part of me that's like well will you know will Evander Kane not give two fucks about his own end in the playoffs and will Drossard will kind of get like a little bit anxious and and revert to old habits Yeah. but honestly I mean to try to be objective uh, it's kind of really hard to see 
it's really hard to see them not come out of the West. I guess we'll see what, you know, I mean, Lekkonen and McCarr probably puts Colorado a little bit ahead of them if they are there and healthy by the time they meet, if they do meet. But, uh, no, the, I mean, they always seem like they're not going to beat themselves anymore, which, you know, as a man who watched all the games, is a fucking huge step. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the one thing with the Oilers, though, is I think the one reason why I'm a little more optimistic is that that they'll come out of the West is that, you know, they did finish the, finish the year with something like 45 or 46 wins in regulation, which I think that's pretty massive in the fact that they're not winning just close games. Like, they're winning by two, three goals. And uh, Travis Yost over at the TSN, um, he'd made a, a pretty good article about it, just showing that, you know, the only other team that was as good as the Oilers was, was the Bruins, right? And those guys are still legit contenders. Um, but out of the West, like, the Oilers kind of stand out on their own. And then if you look at, like, the top 10 in terms of regulation wins, like, Dallas was the next highest, and they were at, like, sixth. And then Vegas and L.A. kind of round up the top 10 um, but yeah, I, I see that as a reason why I think people should be a little bit more optimistic. Um, but again, like similar to you, like I still see some issues in that, you know, how's the goaltending going to hold up, right? Because that honestly in the last, uh, whatever, let's say the ha- last half of the regular season, it's been steady. Like it's just been good enough. And so my concern is that, you know, if games get tight, I mean, <laughs> we saw last year it wasn't tight. Like there's a lot of high scoring games, but if games get tight, like is your goaltending, is Stuart Skinner going to be able to to steal you a game if the you know like the Evander Kane and the and the dry saddles revert to you know their old habits again? But um, yeah, I think that's one thing that kind of stands out as a goaltending. Yeah, and I mean you know it, it's small sample to say this, but you did kind of see two or three big saves from Skinner when things broke down in mm-hmm. Colorado last week. And uh, kind of like, you know, kind of reaffirmed my faith in him. And it's not the question that you're asking me, but I've just got a different view about him where he's so young and it's his first year. If something happens where he does shit the bed this spring, uh, I'm just going to be like, well, it was his first year. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even something that I won't, you know, I won't skewer him. I won't say it was a bad decision play him I mean it's his first year and you hope that all the timelines jive and, and intersect with uh, you know a player's individual ascensions but you know, probably I don't think this is, is the best that we'll see Skinner so you know maybe by the time next year rolls around he's taken another little small jump and everybody is still into prime to the point where you're like, holy fuck, now they really got to fuck up to lose. Yeah. Maybe it, that's until next year, until like it's kind of unassailably the, the, the favorite to win. So, you know, we might be kind of looking and we might be susceptible and, and vulnerable to one more learning curve at the wrong time for Skinner. But yeah. I'm not overly worried about it because uh, they kind of know now. I remember said, I said this a couple of weeks back. Like they know now what they need to do to win. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was a kind of a thing where we're going to score enough goals to win, as as opposed to you know, in in the last quarter they embraced the idea of uh, we're just going to battle 
and we're just going to check and we're going to cover our man and we'll take the chance that uh, if we both have the same number of chances, well, you know, the they've got the, the skill to add on to the wheel part. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, if you've got people that talented that want to play two ways, I mean, you, you should win. Like, yeah. You know, you and I have been, and a lot of us have been waiting for this for such a, a long time. And mm-hmm. Ekholm is undoubtedly uh, a huge piece, a, yeah. a huge end piece. Yeah. And, uh, but we've been kind of waiting for everybody to say, okay, we know we can score, but, you know, how about if we fucking have a little bit more patience and a little bit maturity and a, a little bit more poise? And that's kind of, as I, I just kind of got accustomed to them mostly making the right plays on the stretch, which was kind of shocking because I I wanted to see that. And then just by the end of it, it was so home. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay, they just went in there, didn't, didn't turn that puck over. And, uh, and was like, okay, now, like, they're here. And so I don't know if it'll be this year, but, I mean, I got, it just, it, like, it will no longer surprise me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's fair. I kind of won't. If they win now, I, I, I kind of like. There's not an ounce of me that'll be shocked. Because, yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, by the time you get to, who the fuck knows when anybody's situation is like. By the time you, you get to the East, and if we, I guess, I guess the difference now, Samuel, is once upon a time I would look at a playoff series and I would say, what would have to go right for the Oilers to win? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now I'm trying to think, what are the things that would have to happen for them to lose? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice little position that's, to be in. A, <laughs> yes, it is, and that's the kind of. And so, you know, your next question might be, well, how do they lose? And my, I mean, my answer to that would be, well, if we go into the top four, maybe CC has a bad series. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, when you have home ice advantage and. Uh, a top four that you can, for the most part, trust, you should not be letting yourself get into the situation where your third pair is getting beat by the other team's top six. Yeah. That that shouldn't happen. I mean, as a coach, you should do your job. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust it. They'll do that. So where would I see the potential problems? Uh, the, the use of, of Skinner, not the, the ability to use. Um, maybe uh, a bad stretch of play from the CC and the other thing would be a combination on the second line of Yamamoto not pissing a drop and not giving you any goals at all plus uh, Kane not giving a fuck and Leon not giving enough fuck yeah but I'm not worried about the first line and if you play McLeod and Fogel as the linchpins of your third line that should be more than fine. Ryan could go there. Bukestad could go there. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to sound like hubristic, but it just there's a lot of good things that have happened for a long stretch of the season now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had two games where they outking the Kings. Mm-hmm. And Vegas is, like, Vegas' PDO or, you know, just take the ball down. The luck seems like 
that could bite them in, that that's going to come back on them at any point. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't believe that Dallas would have the defense to be able to handle the Oilers. Yeah. They just don't have the depth on the defense. So, yeah, I mean, I just think they would, I think that, I think they would have to beat themselves. And yeah. I'm not uh, silly enough to think that they still don't have that little bit in them that they could do it, but I think that's what will have to happen. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, for me, like, just with the the Kings series, like, I see the Kings as a pretty solid opponent. And of all the potential options, like, you know, when it came down to, you know, is it going to be Seattle? Is it going to be Winnipeg? Is it going to be L.A.? I think the L.A. matchup is the one that I, I really didn't want the Oilers to take on because L.A. has been very good over the last, say, 25 games. They've put up some crazy, like some really good like possession numbers, even like you know their goal share um, over the last you know say 25 games. It's been slightly better than the Oilers as well. Um, and the the one with the thing with the Kings is their shooting percentage again over the last 25 games. That's that's been one of the worst actually in the Western Conference. So it's like one of those issues that they've had historically, like just the finishing ability. They can control the puck. They can cycle. But when it comes to like you know actually finishing their chances, they posted an eight percent shooting percentage in the last twenty-five games. So I, I I see that as you know like eventually they're going to turn it around because over the regular season they weren't too bad there. Um, but I just think you know this is a team that's got some good players in their roster like like Deno and I'm still a big Kopitar fan and you know if those guys can get going and and they've put up some decent numbers they they play tough competition all the time. So I feel like if anybody's going to slow down, say, someone like Dreisaitl or get him to, you know, get him off his game, it's going to be one of those two guys. Um, and I do think, like, the Kings' defense has looked pretty good, too, over the last little bit. You know, they added, you know, guys like Gavrikov, um, adding Cor- um, Corpusalo at the deadline, things like that. I, I think those are really good additions for them. Um, and so and also just the other things, right? Like, I feel like the Kings... They've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder now. They lost last year. They had the Oilers. You know, they took them to seven games. They had two chances to to get to to eliminate them. Couldn't get the job done. So I feel like there's going to be a little extra, you know, motivation for them as well. Um, but I'm looking at it the same way as you. It's like you know, the Oilers are are so good right now that if anything, it's going to be something of their own doing. Like I mentioned, goaltending is one issue. Um, the other issue is if the Kings somehow, you know, keep these games, you know, zero zero, and they manage to to take care of, you know, shut down McDavid or Drysital. And, and you have to remember too, in the last series last year, in the first four games, you know, the Kings really controlled a lot, and they were doing a pretty decent job. It was really game six and seven when McDavid kind of just took over himself, and then that carried into the next round against the Flames, but. But yeah, I, I still I see the Kings as a it's going to be a tough opponent. I don't think it's going to just be you know within four or five games. I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this does go to you know seven games. But yeah, we'll have to see how that all that plays out. Um, one thing I wanted to know from your perspective is yeah the rest of the conference and and you mentioned you know and we can go through each series like you know Vegas and Winnipeg for example. Um, you know Vegas did finish of course very high in the standings, um, but they're not you know, heavy favorites. And you mentioned it, you know, their, uh, their luck has been a little bit high. I mean, their, their save percentage is over like 93% over the last 25 games. Um, so they are, you know, they're doing quite well there, but possession number wise, not very strong. They were like around 46, 47% when it came to expected goal share and, and Corsi and all that. Um, while Winnipeg, you know, has, you know, the Connor Hellebuck factor. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on that series? Well, just let me finish up because just to counterpoint, 
the kind of the reason why I was kind of worried about the Kings mm-hmm. until the Oilers played those two games without Fiala, they're a two-line team. Yeah, yeah. And I remember maybe two, three weeks ago, uh, I looked at the numbers for Kovatar and Campe and Byfield, and they were out scoring mad, but their PDO was like in the 1.050s. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I was like, okay, well, that's going to crash. And I, yeah. I think it has since then because they went a whole span of time without being able to score. And you talked about their shooting percentage cratering in the last 20 games. Well, Fiala has missed 13 of 16. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you play game one without Fiala, that like that's a two-line team. Yeah. And also, uh, like, is, like how patient – and judicious will McClellan be with the minutes on the defense? Mm. What will Dowdy have left in him by game five and six? If you ride those, because I remember by the time six and seven came last year and I kept looking at the ice time for Kopitar and Deneau, and he just kind of rode the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think he would be very, I, I think he, and then I think most coaches are tempted to do that. And then, in fact, I looked at it to see what, I thought Woodcroft might do a little bit different from last year to this year. So I would say that the Kings' depth, I'm not really a soul on the Kings' depth. Now, there's a fucking three-game, like a three-day stretch between five games, five and six, or four and five, one time. And so that's like that's going to – that'll help. Yeah. It'll help a team with less depth because you'll be able to, you know, to ride the top guys. But – I, you know, I think Fiala gives him a third line, and, and if he's not there, and even if he comes back but he's not really effective, I think that really kind of swings it towards the Oilers. But to go on to the rest of the series, I mean, I don't like Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg have already fucking revolted against Bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's the issues there. Was kind of a, right, I think there was an idea where like Paul Maurice let those, those do whatever the fuck they wanted. It was kind of like a a tip at Edmonton kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I don't really like Winnipeg at all. But if you're going to ask me, like, if I was to look for an upset and you look for a team and, and Eichel hasn't been hasn't been any great shakes this year, so is that a, like Barbashev has disappeared in the playoffs previously? Yeah. Is that a team that I could see that could have a – Hard time scoring three goals in four out of four, four out of six games. Yeah, I mean, at some point, and the same thing applies to Seattle. Sunil, Seattle's shooting percentage at five and five score just it is fucking crazy, mm-hmm. and and it won't last. And neither will you know, neither will the numbers of of Vegas. So if I was to look for an upset, it would be Winnipeg over Vegas. Not that I like Winnipeg, I don't, but I just think that. There's a reckoning coming for Vegas, and is Winnipeg good enough to be able to take advantage? Yeah. And then I would say Dallas. Dallas actually has two good lines, and uh, Minnesota's net money is, is not going to hold up to that to that degree. Yeah. And so I would say Dallas there, and and Colorado over Seattle. Uh, I can't see the. I mean, Florida's had a lot of problems with the 
special teams this year, but that being said, I, I don't think that there's enough there to put him to really scare Boston. Mm-hmm. I'll take the Islanders over Carolina, even though I won't watch a goddamn minute because <laughs> the Islanders. streaming services and other, and other things to watch, right? But, yeah. I mean, Carolina has sucked since Savage, like, you know, since Vechnikov uh, went down, so I'll take them there. Uh, the Rangers are running a, a, a lucky streak. I'm, I'm a bit worried about Jersey's goaltending, but I think they'll control the play, so I would take Jersey there. And, uh, I mean, who, like, <laughs> the Leafs and Tampa Bay, like, Tampa Bay has played so many games in the last few springs. They look like they're fucking on fumes. Yeah, especially the last uh, little bit here. But Mitch Barnett. But Mitch Marner has seven goals in 39 playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, and he's got a lot of assists, but, like, he had seven goals, and Drysaddle can score that on a long weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I'll be, like, I, everything would point to the fact that the Leafs should win that series. But, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't even, I can't even be objective about the Leafs anymore. It just seems like, silly things would happen or people would disappear players yeah. would disappear so yeah. But yeah that's my I mean I would say I guess the Islanders over Carolina if I was going to look for two upsets it would be the Oz over Carolina and Winnipeg over Vegas but I kind of think everything else yeah. probably holds the way to the sure. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of see how I, I see it all shaken out yeah with the Winnipeg Vegas one like you said Vegas it does feel like they've been running on a bit of a hot streak and they've just been so streaky. Like there was one point in this regular season where they weren't even breaking even when it came to the goal differential at five on five, right? Like they've had issues no, all no. season. Yeah. And so, and then Winnipeg, yeah, I'm with you too. Like there's nothing scary about them other than Connor Hellebuck getting hot, but I just, there's nothing much there and, and whatever. If Winnipeg is the next round for the Oilers, like, so be it. That's great. And then, yeah, with the Dallas, Minnesota, yeah, I think Dallas is pretty much the favorite here just because Minnesota's goaltending again has been extra stretched. And um, yeah, I just feel like Dallas, I, I want to see their top end guys. I want to see guys like Jason Robertson, and those types of players like Minnesota. I like Kirill Kaprizov. I don't know if how he's been since his injury or if he's going to be able to maintain sort of the levels he was at earlier in the year. But yeah, I do like the Dallas matchup there. But um, yeah, and then the Colorado-Seattle. I mean, Seattle credit to them you know they don't have any big game breakers um but they've managed to be you know good they're taught they got three decent lines right like no one that's gonna you know scare the oilers or other top end teams but i feel like there's enough there to at least make that series competitive but who knows like i mean i still think colorado without landis cog i'm not sure if they're gonna be able to pull it off but um like i mean like repeat as champions i feel like like you said like that feels like it's probably dallas colorado or, the, or yeah, Dallas and Colorado, who are the Oilers' top competition in the West. But yeah, like you said, it's going to be something that the Oilers do that uh, that prohibit them from getting to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, just you know, Lekkinen was having, and I love Lekkinen. He was having a, a great fucking year before he got hurt. So he would kind of give them would be enough to trickle down and maybe make them into a three-line team, which mm-hmm. is you know kind of like, that's kind of what you need. So I would kind of have to see him back, and if he's back and playing well, then yeah, I mean it's probably like a, it's a coin flip with them and the Oilers, but there's really nobody else that I would think because 
you know, we've reached a point where the Oilers are really great without the first, without, without uh, Drossado and McDavid on the ice. Yeah. So, you know, unless Woodcroft thinks himself and leans on Matthias Janmark, <sighs> which is, you know, I yeah. guess I always got to find something to complain about. I don't know, but it's just like, and he's a Ford liner and family killer. Like, stop being like. Anytime something goes wrong in the line, let's put Yan Mark there. Yeah, yeah. they draw up the fucking scoring, but exactly, anyway, yeah, uh, kills offense on both sides oh, of the yeah, rink. So, yes, so uh, yeah, I think the only like the old joke. It was the only defenseman that could stop Connor McDavid, Chris Russell. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but so yeah, so I. I would just have to see them for them to kind of like lose their composure, start chasing, uh, like start going for the neutral zone a bit much. I read something that was kind of interesting, and it was from uh, I don't know, like I don't know if Oilers Nation Sid has a last name. Maybe he's like a Brazilian soccer player and he doesn't need <laughs> one, which would be yeah. kind of cool. But anyway, he had this thing about how the, the Kings defensemen are bad on retrievals and bad at exiting the zone and how you can they'll give up a lot of cycle chances and Edmonton was so fucking disciplined in those last two games with the Kings in terms of not trying these lateral passes in the neutral zone and not trying to carry everything in and so it even seems like to that degree the Oilers are like yeah we'll do a bit of mocking and grinding for a series we'll throw it down go work on them even that kind of favors them. Yeah. You know, because the Kings are, are not strong in that regard. Because you got, like, you know, Mikey Anderson's not going to make uh, any big passes or anything. And Dowdy is not what he was. In no, no. So, yeah. Uh, so even even those things, I think, is like, I think the Oilers have kind of, and it's sneaky because it happened to some, it looks like it only happened in 20 games. To others, they look at it, uh, you know, past Christmas, mm-hmm. but to the truly enlightened people like myself and yourself, uh, we know it's been like a 60-game thing. Yeah. And yeah. In the, not always as disciplined as it had been in the in the last half season, but the results there nonetheless. So, you know, God help me for saying this, but it kind of looks like they've grown up. <laughs> and, uh, you, and now, like, you've got to outwork them because... Yeah. They won't fucking shoot themselves in the, in the foot. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I don't know, Dennis. Should we be sending some flowers to to Ken Holland? Like, is, is that where we're at now? Why well, <laughs> we were having such a nice conversation? <laughs> it's so hard to like. Uh, I guess there's going to be a lot of ends justify the means people, mm-hmm. and you know the. And to that, I would say, well, you know, the Ekholm thing is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, one of the better moves in recent history at the, at the deadline. And But then I would say, well, you know, what I would give him credit for there is patience. Yeah. More than to be able to identify Ekholm and kind of go after him. He just kind of, he did have the courage of his conviction to say, oh, wait, wait, wait until something would come up. And I will give him credit for that. That was yeah, one yeah. of the times yeah. where 
you know, Rip Van Holland sleeping actually going to work. <laughs> but, but then there's, you know, there's so many things like uh, Leon and, and Connor are not his. Yeah. He kind of inherited Nuge. Yes, he got the contract, but Nuge is there, and it's a lot easier to sign a guy when he's already, you know, when you've already got some, when you've been there, you know, I guess that was three years to spend with him. And, uh, he had his little change with Campbell and fucking Chirelli's <laughs> goaltender bailed him out with yeah, dinner. That's right. Like, you know, who, who's the new, like, Bouchard is the defenseman that we always wanted. And who drafted him? Not Holland. That's right. Uh, Matthew Bowley scores goals and he's good defensively. I like Broberg, but, I mean, you know, that's, that's an obvious, I mean, it's an obvious mistake right now. Uh, so, yeah, no, we should. I mean, yeah. Like, at home, yeah. Okay, good on you. You, yeah. you believe that if you wait, something will pop, and it did, and I respect. Yeah. But for everything else, like, you know, how do, what's the first year of Kane's contract looking like? Not yeah. great. Yeah, that's right. He scored some goals, but the goals for and against is poor, and he's got the worst. Uh, I think he's even worse than Clean uh, Cassian that's right. in terms of expected <laughs> goals for. So that's not that's not off to a good start. Yeah. Hell of a deal in yeah. year one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no. So the answer to your question is no. <laughs> good. Okay, good, good. We're on the same page <laughs> yeah. then. No, I'm I'm the yeah. same way. I'm the same way because I see a lot of like, yeah, it's great. We made the playoffs. Yes, the the Echo uh, trade, awesome. That worked out. Um, you know, the Zach Hyman contract. Yeah, that worked out. It's not going to look pretty in a few years. I still think he's eventually going to fall off. But you know what? You picked your window. You said this is where I'm going to try to win. But then you look back at how he initially built the window. Like he had, he signed Barry to a deal. He signed CC, and that's when I thought. Man, if that's who you have in your top four for the dry saddle McDavid window, like that's not going to be good. And credit to Ken Holland or whoever convinced him to do it to move out Barry to to make the deal happen. Great, but then yeah, I keep looking at the guys who contributed the most this year, and it's just every guy that was yeah basically inherited, right? Like we're still waiting for some of Holland's draft picks to show up. Broberg's one. Like I think we're all you know hoping this guy turns it around, but. He hasn't been, he hasn't shown to be like a top guy just yet. Maybe it'll happen in time, but, you know, like like we say, like top-end players, they show themselves early, and so I, we haven't seen that from him yet. And so that's why I'm a little hesitant about, you know, giving him all, any credit. Because, I mean, yeah, who who would have guessed? Well, I, I mean, sure, a few people guessed. I know our friend Brian King guessed it, that Oilers uh, or McDavid would get 150 points this year and Drysaddle with another 120 and the power play being unbelievable again and Nuge getting 100 points. So, I mean, as much as, yes, Ken Holland's, of course, the general manager, but so much was done that wasn't in his control. So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to give the man uh, as much credit yeah, as I just want to give. I haven't been a big... I'm not really a big war or a, or a goals above replacement person for hockey. I just, I don't, there's just nothing that I've seen yet that can kind of convince me that's the be all end all. But if we used it from, but if we went to baseball where it seemed to work much better, and you looked at wins above replacement, mm-hmm. I mean, McDavid and Drysdale would be fucking, you know, Hyman would be the only person that he brought in there that would move the needle. Right. If we look at it from that perspective, 
even like uh, who's uh, who looks like a fine third line center. Ryan McLeod. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan McLeod. Who, who, who drafted him? Yep, Peter Shirley. <laughs> right. So that even it's fucking it's even like you know even the things of like okay he took you know he took a year and didn't do anything and Kyle Torres is, is was the first big big splash you know for me he he owns a, and and really it's Nicholson's fault for hiring a fellow who had goddamn Archie Henderson as his head scout <laughs> but you know when you when you do swing it's fucking it's Kyle Torres so and the first move that you make at the deadline as your GM is for a fellow that you drafted and developed, and you still didn't realize that he wasn't worth the cost. Yeah, that's right. You know that was that was Anthony Senior. So no, no. I mean, there was like a smarter person with a better toolbox could have came in there in that first summer and made a couple of nice value adds, and then picked up another one at the deadline. Yeah, and yeah. he didn't, and that was year two. That was year one, and year two is. Well, uh, you take Dave Tippett's advice on your trades. Yeah. And, you know, you let the, that goddamn abomination that was the time on ice in game four of the Winnipeg series. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Archibald takes a bad penalty in the fucking next year. Not only do you bring him back, but you force him into the lineup even when he's not vaccinated. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, him yeah. and Tyler Bertuzzi are going around wearing tinfoil hats and everybody <laughs> else is sensible. Yeah. And you're fucking stomping for them. And, and, that's, and that's year three. Yeah. So, no, the first two. And, you know, and you don't really want to fire Dave Tippin until the, the owner says, no, guess what? You fucking got to. Yeah. I think people forget so that. No, yeah. no, no, no. So absolutely not. I'm just not going to listen to, like... <laughs> Any of that fucking shit, right? Yeah. It's just like, you know, the only way is if I come up, if I start an, an OnlyFans account, then <laughs> I, def, I defile myself while agreeing with bad oiler opinions. That's the only, that's the only way I'm going to agree with any of this bullshit. Yeah. Like that, that's the record. It, it's kind of year four, and most of the major damage is being done by people that he didn't have any influence on. Yeah. So you know, hurrah for being able to to fill it out to a to a certain extent. All your credit for especially Echo. Yeah. But uh, let's kind of look at you know who's driving the bus and did you just pick up like a a bunch of well-heeled passengers? So to close, we were having a nice conversation on a Sunday night and you fucked it up and made me <laughs> mad by the end. Of it, but, <laughs> but but no no. no. No credit for Holland. Absolutely not. Okay. Good. We're on the same page then. This is fantastic, Dennis. Yeah, All right, man. <laughs> thanks for this. And uh, we'll check in again yeah. later on in the playoffs. Yes. Thanks to you, too.